Good morning to everybody here uh, in person. It's a joy to be able to gather together and to make much of good news that we get to share in. Those watching online, it is a joy to be able to do that with you. If you have a Bible, please open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to once again read through our verses, 1 through 10, and we're going to consider one verse today, verse 6. Verse 6. But let's get the context of our passage as we have been working through this um, incredible um, description and unpacking of all that God has done for us in Christ and how that then shapes the way that we are to live. What a joy and privilege. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, how you have richly poured it out to us in Christ. And as we come to this passage of Scripture together this morning, we pray that that grace and mercy would fall fresh on us yet again. God, do a good work in us. May we find in you all uh, surety of our hope And may that lead to worship in our hearts. Be with us, we pray. So we come to your word in Christ's name. Amen. Over 100 times, and that's just to be very conservative. Over 100 times in the New Testament, you will come across the phrase, in Christ. Or it's several different variations, like in him, or in Christ. Whom or with Christ over a hundred times. And that seems kind of important, doesn't it? If the Bible does something that thoroughly and that consistently, it would seem kind of like a big deal, right? That maybe we should maybe, just maybe, pay a little bit of attention to this. Especially when we find all those over 100 times usage just in a few letters in the New Testament. It is a big deal. And this significant phrase points us to and directs us to a very significant doctrine that we call union with Christ. And we will explore the significance of this soaring theological truth in our verse today. But as we just sang, it can be best summarized as 
Yet not I, but through Christ in me. This is good news for us. It shapes the way that we can live. And we get to rejoice in that together today. And, and because union with Christ, that is being united to Christ, is so important, hopefully we will find, as we consider how important it is, that we can then live out His kingdom values in our present day. Because we are united to Christ, we can live out His kingdom values in our present day. That's significant. And we need to take time to think on this in our heads and in our hearts. And to help us with that, I want us to just kind of think through two um, two sort of questions that, that help us see the significance of our union with Christ. The first is why union with Christ matters. Why does it matter? Why is it so significant? Why is it so important? Why is it everything for the believer? And then secondly, how union with Christ matters in our lives. Why does it matter? And then how does it matter? How does it show up in our actual living out of this life that God has saved us to? So let's jump into that together and hopefully be encouraged. Why union with Christ matters. Well, union with Christ is Christ in you and you in Christ. And it matters first for this reason. And this is profound. All that is Christ is yours. Why does this matter? Because all that is Christ is yours for you who are in Christ. One commentator put it this way. What God did for Christ, he did at the same time for believers. And in our verse that we're focused on here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says that we are raised up and seated with Christ. And that raised up and seated with refer to Christ's resurrection and Christ's exaltation to the highest place in all of heaven and earth and cosmos and everywhere. But it's said in such a way that we have already had that applied to us who trust in Christ. As if we've already been raised up and that we're already seated with Christ. Already happened. That's how profoundly significant this is to be in Christ. So much so that what Christ has experienced for us is our experience in Him. Christ's experience for us, the life that He lived, the death that He died, the resurrection that He experienced, the ascension, His reign, His rule, and one day return, all of it, His experience for us is our experience in Him. So much so that we can say that we have already died in Christ. And we have been made alive in Christ. And we have been raised up in Christ. And we have been exalted in Christ. As in actually, not symbolically. So that when Christ was doing what Christ do, we get it too. 
This is how incredible this is. All that is Christ is ours. Now, we have already have a framework of thinking and understanding this because we know and understand that what happened with Adam in the garden also happened to us. His sin in the garden is our sin. We're, we're sinful, and it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. <clears throat> Excuse me, Genesis 3. So it's not so hard for us to see that. So now flip that, invert that in the second Adam who's come, and that being Jesus. All his experience counts then as our experience. And this is why you and I, we have, who are in Christ, who put our faith and trust and hope in Jesus, who look to Christ as the one who lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserved and overcame our sin, death, and Satan for us so that we could be declared right and adopted into God's family and and to know one great and glorious day we will see Him as He is for we will be like Him. This is why we have such a sure salvation. Because our salvation is Christ. And to be in Christ is to have Christ's life, death, and resurrection count as yours. Christ has done what we could not do. And has provided for what we could not earn. And has brought us to a place we could not go. And all this is yours. All of it is yours when you are in Christ and Christ is in you. All of it. Nothing hangs loosely. It's all yours in Christ. All that is Christ is yours. Secondly, why the union with Christ matters so significantly is that not only is all that is Christ yours, but all that is given by Christ is yours. So what Christ has is yours, and then what Christ gives to you is yours. That means in every aspect of your salvation, every layer of what it means to be said is yours. Every layer of what it means to be saved. One theologian named John Murray in an incredible book called Redemption, Accomplished and Applied, put it this way. He said, union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It is not simply a phase of the application of redemption. It underlies every aspect of redemption. And that means all the benefits of Christ, all the benefits of all that he has secured, all the gifts of what Jesus has done for us, are are ours. All of them are ours. Every one of them. And just, let me just breeze over that real quick. We are united with Christ when we are made alive. We experience this union with Christ in our lives through faith and repentance. We are declared righteous in God's sight by means of our union with Christ. We are brought into the family of God through union with Christ. 
We grow in Christ's likeness through union with Christ. And we will be raised to glory because of our union with Christ. All of it. Every ounce is ours in Christ. So much so that you don't add to what Christ so incredibly gives to you. He gives it all, and all that He gives is all that you need. Everything of Christ, and everything given by Christ is ours. I came across a very helpful word picture for this, why this is so important, by pastor and author Rankin Wilborn, who put it this way, Union with Christ is the necklace. And there are jewels on the necklace like justification and sanctification and forgiveness and mercy. But the thread that holds those jewels together is union with Christ. Our indivisible connection to Him makes those things possible. It's incredible. Like, you can't... You can't ever overstate how significant Christ is for you and in you. You can never overstate how significant it is. You can never over-exaggerate it. Your best effort to overstate it still doesn't measure up to how overwhelmingly amazing this incredible salvation is that Jesus has secured and given to you who are in him. All that is Christ is yours. All that Christ gives is yours. Now, there's another aspect to this that starts to dip into then eventually how we consider this in the way that we live. But understanding the significance of this is still still important for us to, to wrestle with right now. And that is... As we consider union with Christ, it puts us in a little bit of a tension that we call an already but not yet reality. We live in an already but not yet. Already in the sense that all that Christ is is yours, all that Christ gives is yours, all of it. Nothing hangs in the balance, nothing's going to be stripped away from it. It's either all or it's not. It's all yours. That's the already. But there's an aspect about it that's not yet. And you're all going to, I mean, it's pretty obvious. We're, we're, we're not like raised up in the full sense of it. We're not exalted in the highest place with Christ in glory. We're, we're here on earth. And our bodies are hurting and, 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 and giving way. And there's sin that still seems to run rampant. And so we're not quite all the way there. It's not all the way there yet. Yet this is what's so remarkable about this. When the Apostle Paul is talking about all that we have in Christ, and when he gets to things that have a future experience in full measure, he's able to say of those things, he's able to speak of them as a completed action that's already occurred. He can look forward and see resurrection and glory and state it as in completed action, sure, final, forever. It's going to happen. It already did because Christ already overcame death. 
So you, beleaguered, weary, wobbly Christian, you are raised up and exalted in Christ. Already, and yes, not yet. What we know now, we know truly. What we will know then, we will see fully. It will be a great day. And we have this great day and this great hope that's sure and fixed because we are in Christ. And Christ has gone ahead of us in these ways. And our way is certain and sure and can be described as completed. Nothing, friends, hangs in the balance in our union with Christ. Verse 6 just blows my mind. Raised up and seated with him. How amazing. That's why it's so significant. We can easily be distracted by the just immensity and overwhelming nature of all that God has done for us in Jesus. And we can look at our world around us and it can seem overwhelming to us. And we can look at the challenges in front of us or maybe the weaknesses in our own hearts and think this is, this is just so much. And so we need to keep feeding our heads and our hearts the overwhelming truth of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. We desperately need this. And as we then feed in it, we come to the realization that not only is it significant, but then we start to see how it is significant in the way that we live. So first we see and consider why union with Christ matters. Now secondly, we see how union with Christ matters. And how it matters is it helps us then understand how we can go about living out His kingdom values in our present day. His kingdom values in our present day. So understanding who we are in Christ shapes then how we live in Christ in our day, in our world, in our very hour. And three things that I would want us to wrestle with and think through as we see how union with Christ matters in our living. And the first is, it shapes our calling. Our calling in this life, in our present day, is shaped significantly by our union with Christ. Since our lives are in Christ, you can go to Colossians 3, 1-4 to see that, then our manner of living is to then reflect Christ. If our life is Christ, then our manner of living is to reflect Christ. Ephesians 4 onward. So that means we are to live out of what we have received in Christ and who we are in Christ. And Christ has withheld no thing. He has received, or we have received from him. He has given to us grace upon grace. We lack nothing in Christ to live out this life in Christ. And our values then are to be set by whose we are and who we are in Christ. And these values will not always be in line with our where we are and when we are. 
And that's okay. To be in Christ means we get to live out his kingdom values in our present day. Sometimes our present day won't really care about those kingdom values. And that's okay. Nothing hangs in the balance. That's okay. We have received all that we need to live out his kingdom values in our present day. Because Christ is our good. Because Christ gives us good. And because Christ calls us to good in every kind of day we live in. That means our calling is to be little Christs. Christians. People in our world representing Jesus to the world around us. That's our calling. It's to be reflectors of Christ to the world around us. That's our calling. To, to be extensions and expressions of God's grace to God's glory. That's what we're called to do. In all that we do. In whatever it is that we do. In all the real roles and responsibilities and relationships that we have. We're to be little Christs. Reflecting Christ's grace to the world around us. So uh, it's fitting then given the week that we had, to think through what that might mean right now. So right now, gaining political power and sway is not our calling. Our calling is to witness to the world around us the grace and glory of Jesus. That's our calling. Gaining political power and sway is not. And I fear... I fear that the Christian witness has been severely damaged in these recent years by co-opting its identity to politics rather than to Christ. How, I ask myself and us, how would an increasingly post-Christian, secular, humanistic society and culture ever be compelled to hear what the church or any Christian has to say given what has been said and how it's been said over the last six years? Why would anyone care? Why would anyone care when so much lightless and salt noise has come from those who claim Christ. We all need a hard reset to understanding our union with Christ and how that shapes our calling. We are to reflect Him with our lives and how we live them out so that we are Teachers and politicians and engineers and police officers and moms and dads and neighbors and churchgoers and believers who are busy reflecting Jesus. Extensions of grace. Oh, that we would see that calling. 
that comes with being in Christ. So much more precious and valuable and joyful than any other sort of calling we could attach ourselves to in this life. For you and I live between two worlds. And our values are shaped by the one to come. And we have the privilege to live them out in the day that we have now. So that is our calling. Our union with Christ shapes our calling. Secondly, our union with Christ matters in the way that we live because it fosters in us confidence. The calling is not always going to be popular. And so our confidence could be shook. But our confidence rests on not anything other than the shoulders of Christ. Since our union with Christ rests on the shoulders of Christ, our identity is secure. It is sure. Giving us confidence to live out our calling. The calling to make much of Christ with our lives. And so this is another important thing relevant to our moment right now. Our confidence to live for Christ isn't found in cultural acceptance or in cultural power. Our confidence is not to be found in either one of those. So whether our lean is left or our lean is right, you're not going to find confidence to live out the calling you have in union with Christ. No, our confidence is found in beholding the beauty, power, grace, and mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where our confidence rests. Because cultural acceptance is fickle. And cultural power is fleeting. Christ is neither fickle nor fleeting. He doesn't toss us aside. Oh, you're, I'm bored with you. And he doesn't ever lose any power. He is over the entire cosmos. You know, everything hangs right now in the balance because of the word of his power. He is neither fickle or fleeting. So our confidence isn't going to be found in things that are fickle and fleeting. No, our confidence is found in Christ who is solid rock. And on him you will not sink. So why chase cultural acceptance or cultural power when we already have acceptance and power in Christ right now? All the acceptance that you can ever need, you already have in Christ. And all the power to live out this calling to be little Christ that you could ever need, you already have in Christ. Christ. And so as we look at our world, we see that it is a spectacle. Media is a spectacle. News media is a spectacle. Social media is a spectacle. Entertainment media is a spectacle. Engorging yourselves with it will make your soul feel like you ate all of your kids' Halloween candy the night they went to bed. Your laughter condemns you. <laughs> you know who you are. Mom, dad. 
There should be a holiday on November 1st. That's like November, you know, gnome attacked our house overnight and ate all of your candy because you were bad or something like that. Anyway, I digress. But we do, we gorge ourselves on these things that will make us sick. Not only that, will it make us sick, but we reflect that which we behold. Whatever emanates up out of our life and the way that we live it reveals what it is that dominates our hearts. Our beholding Christ in his word and with his people will foster the sort of confidence to live for his glory in everyday living. And so we find that in our union with Christ, to to know that we are raised and seated with him gives us a perspective on this life that we have, that we can see that our life can be one that makes much of Jesus. And we can live that out with confidence. And thirdly, we can live that out with courage. 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 We are saved to a life that is to reflect the grace of God to the glory of God. That's our good works that we see in Ephesians 2.10. And we have all that we need to do it in Christ. And yet we know that those kinds of good works reflecting the grace of God being extensions of the grace of God to the glory of God. That's not a terrible thing. That's a kind of a pretty cool thing. We know that that will be rejected. And it requires courage to run the risk of rejection. Rejection is not fun. That's why we need union with Christ. We're accepted by the king. Even if the people in this world reject. We need the courage to run the risk of rejection knowing that some will receive this good news and some will reject it. The Apostle Paul is not unfamiliar with that. He was writing to a church that was experiencing all kinds of societal and cultural pressures around them and experiencing all kinds of turmoil within it. He had to write them two letters. He actually wrote them more than that. But we have two of those letters in the New Testament. And in 2 Corinthians, he spends a number of chapters explaining yet again how amazing the gospel ministry is for the life of the church and how that even as it is opposed and rejected, it's still worth giving it all for. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, knowing the challenges and the obstacles and all that comes with it, he says, so we are always of good courage. For we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home of the Lord. But we're not. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. This side of glory will be filled with opposition 
and obstacles. There will be times in which we will be rejected, either personally or just generally, categorically, like we are right now in the culture that we live in. But we can be a people in the face of rejection, a people of good courage, Because our courage isn't based on our acceptance or our power. It's based on our Savior and who we are in Him. We can have courage. And courage goes forward against the stream. Courage goes forward against the rejection. Courage doesn't go forward or doesn't flee. It goes forward. And courage doesn't go forward with a fight Or for a fight, it goes forward to make much of Christ. Living out kingdom values in our present day means we don't flee when culture doesn't want us. And we don't fight when culture wants to rid us. Rather, we have courage to make much of the one who made us alive and raised us up with him. And seated him, seated us with him in glory. It's a wonderful truth. And I feel like I've only touched the surface of how incredible it is to be in Christ. And friends, I want you to be greatly encouraged that you are alive right now, this day. And you're. Life is a gift, a wonderful gift, a wonderful gift that you get to live out, making much of the giver of such a gift. And no matter what might be circling around you in this world or in our town, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You have all that you need in all that is Christ and is given by Christ. So have courage, good courage. Have confidence, sure confidence to live out this calling to make much of the one who has made you alive. The song we sang right before the sermon has An incredible verse in there. Uh, The whole thing is, but particularly. It says this. To this I hold. My hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing. All is mine. Yet not I. But through Christ in me. Think on that. Think on how significant that is. And live out of that place. We're going to do something we don't, we haven't been doing much of. um, And that's singing um, after the sermon. But we're going to sing that song again. We don't sing as despairing ones. We don't sing as ones who aren't sure. We sing 
Because our way is certain and sure. Yet, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's pray. Then let's sing. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it reveals to us all that you've done for us. Oh God, may we find such great hope and confidence and surety in it. No matter how our hearts may feel right now, maybe filled with fear, worry, or anxieties, or maybe it's filled with anger or apathy, whatever they might be, God, I pray that right now you would do a convicting and comforting work in our hearts to see that all that we have in Christ is all that we need for this life. And that it would embed us with great hope and confidence and courage to live out this life for you and your glory. And we pray for this in Christ's name. Amen.